So I'm going to do a shitty job at this. But hi, everybody. I'm Kriana, and this is probably Sci-Fi Saturday Night. I'm here with Zombrarian. Hello. Who was muted a second ago. I was, but I (laughs) unmuted quickly enough to not notice if someone didn't mention it. Oh, I noticed. (laughs) And I know everyone else did, too. And say hi to Captain Cam. Hi, Captain Cam. Good job. Wait a minute. Was I? I, Okay. That was perfect. (laughs) Uh, we're here with Mike Spring, author of Red, White, and Broke, who's here to talk to us about his new Kickstarter, Uncaped. Hi, Mike. Hello. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. So the premise of Uncaped, tell me mm-hmm. about it. Okay, sure thing. So uh, it is a uh, superhero rom-com, basically, and it answers the question, what if Wonder Woman fell in love with Jimmy Olsen, right? You know, you see all these superheroes who are either, uh, you know, paired up with other superheroes or like Superman's married to Lois Lane, who's like this kick-ass reporter and she can intimidate Lex Luthor and all these things. And I wanted to know like what happens when a superhero falls in love with just an average Joe, a regular guy who works at a comic book store and plays in a garage band and is not particularly self-confident. Um, so we have this this one woman-like character, Lady Olympus. She has the power of the Greek gods. Um, and so she kind of basically uh, sees her future and realizes that all of it involves this very regular guy, Lucas Wilder. So she shows up on his doorstep one day and says, hey, would you marry me? Uh, and that's sort of the starting point for their relationship. So it's a you know, like, just casual. Will you marry me? Is the first yeah, thing out of your mouth. Right. You know, no big that's deal. All, <laughs> that you know. Um, so yeah, it's like Notting Hill with superheroes. Uh, you know, and uh, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, so I really wanted to focus in on the the romantic comedy aspect of it, and so I try to hit a lot of the beats you see in the typical romantic comedy movies that we all know and love. I like how she takes it slow. That's my favorite part. <laughs> well, you know, she's, <laughs> she's a very um, enthusiastic person. You know, I really wanted to capture, uh, I wanted her to be the type of personality that everybody loves, you know, like those people that you're around that are just like effervescent, you know, where everybody just sort of like feels happier being around them. You know, I think there are those people in real life and I wanted her to be that. I, I, um, I really, my, my comics publishing company is Out of Time Comics, and our motto is where fun comes first. And, you know, I read a lot of comics, and I love, I love my Batman and my dark and gritty stuff, but that's not what I write. You know, I, I, like, I like the fun. I like people to be entertained and smiling while they're reading the book. So I figure, you know, she's that kind of personality. I wanted to capture that. So, yeah, why not just show up on his doorstep and propose, you know? And you say he's an average guy, but I feel like he's gotten kind of the – for. Disney fans out there. He got the Flynn Rider treatment, it looks like. <laughs> it looks like you looked at you were like, hmm, what kind of average guy is very attractive to women? And <laughs> let me draw look. him. There's product <laughs> in his hair, is all we're I mean, saying. Well, listen, you know, I mean, you, you, want, you want to have some appeal. I, I will say, I'm a huge Tangled fan. So that's actually, I'm, I'm you're dropping a Flynn Rider reference on me. That's, that's primo. Um, but, uh, you know, if okay, so if I'm being honest, uh, there may be some correlations between uh, the my wife and Maya's relationship in this relationship, in that she doesn't actually have superpowers, or at least not the kinds that Lady Olympus does. Um, that but, you're willing to admit, right? Right, right. Um, but you know, I was uh, I, I worked in a comic book store and I played in the band when we met, and to me, she's like a superhero goddess, so there's a lot of sort of you know, it's not directly correlated to our relationship. But there's some there's some hints of it in there. So um, that's not me saying that I'm super good looking, by the way, just so we're clear. But, you know, you also 
you know, you want to have some some <laughs> key characters. You know. So, but like hair product, I'm just saying. Oh, for but, sure. Okay. But yeah. I appreciate that, and I also when I was going back through everything else, I noticed that in um, Red, White, and Broke as well that you don't um, that you, I really like the fact that you don't do the typical male power fantasy Superman who would you know tip over if he was a real human being <laughs> right or a well, real alien probably <laughs> right uh well, and lady think... olympus on at least one of the covers has got guns <laughs> yeah and yeah. i love it <laughs> i really wanted to you know i do like to um i do like to play with the archetypes i'm not gonna lie like you know my, my captain stronghold was the character from red white and broke um and he is very much in your sort of superman captain america vein but the whole point uh, you know the gist of that comic is that even though he's a superhero right he's flat broke because he can't keep a job because every time he flies off to save the world you know he gets fired from whatever job he's working at which is (laughs) what would happen in the real world right you know it's great when you're a billionaire like bruce wayne but if you're just working at like office max and you disappear for like four hours and you don't tell them why you're, you're gonna get fired right so i like to take these sort of archetypes and then twist them a little bit right so um you know lady olympus is kind of that that you know wonder woman type of character very you know very statuesque um but i try to write her like a real person you know hopefully and uh you know make it so that it's not just this cardboard cutout character that you know like you said you can just knock them over because they're you know too top heavy or whatnot One of the things I really liked about Red, White, and Broke, and it's one of the things I'm hoping you continue with Uncaped, and it sounds like you are, is that when you're talking a lot of the mainstream comics, and I do love my mainstream comics, sure. they're more superheroic top-heavy. You know, all the, the fight, the bing, bang, crash, all of that sort of stuff. And this seems to, especially like the you know the first issue of Red, White, and Broke that I read, really caught me because... There was very little of that. It was all about the nitty gritty nuts and bolts of being a superhero, not the the glamorous stuff of, you know, fighting against alternate world versions of yourself. It was, you know, how does my life actually work? And being honest enough to go in front of, which was probably probably one of the scariest things he's ever done, (laughs) to go in front of a a studio audience and say, hi. I'm I'm yeah I'm Captain Stronghold and uh, I don't have a penny to my name. Yep, yep. And, and it just I love this. It is it is fantastic, and I'm and I'm really hoping that that's what continues on with what you've got coming up next. Uh, you know, I, I'll say it does. Um, you know, it's funny because when I was writing on Caped, you know, um, I really wanted to focus on the romance between the two characters, and I'm a sucker for romance. I'll admit it. Uh, and um, you know, I had to kind of remind myself to to occasionally include some action in it because I was like, okay, I, I am still trying to appeal to a superhero audience largely, and if I write a comic with you know no action at all. I could, you know, maybe I'll turn off some readers, but that was, you know, so I had to be like, oh, I should probably put something, make something happen here, you know, because I wanted to keep writing these two characters and I was having fun with their dialogue and their interaction. Um, And also Lucas has a, um, uh, a roommate named Abby who's obsessed with cats. Uh, and I had a lot of fun, you know, writing the two of them. And so then I, I would sort of be like, oh yeah, right, right, right. Let me throw in a couple pages of action here just to make sure that, you know, certain types of people aren't getting bored, right? People who who kind of want that superhero. And I, and I love superheroes too. So it's like, you know, this is my second, you know, comic story that I've written that's set in a superhero world. Um, and it's because I, you know, I love them. I genuinely do love superheroes, but I do like to explore you know, different sides of it. Because if I just write, you know, 40 pages of, like you said, fighting yourself from another dimension, you know, it's been done probably by people smarter than I am or better at least at writing action scenes than I am. I think I I do a pretty good job with them. But um, yeah, Uncape definitely focuses more on the characters and the humor and the romance. And then then I throw in a couple, I got a pretty good, like I built in a nice big climactic uh, action scene that ties into the story nicely that I'm really happy with. So yeah, you'll see a lot of that for sure. Good, 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 good. So now you're no stranger to Kickstarters, are you? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. This is my sixth Kickstarter uh, that I've run, and I've backed some <laughs> 400. Haven't we all, though? Haven't we all? Yeah, the thing that says, you've been deemed a super backer. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but I don't like the sound of that. 
<laughs> that sounds expensive, and it and it is. I I do love Kickstarter as a platform. Um, but yeah, this is my sixth one. Um, we did uh, Red, White, and Broke was four issues that were all funded through Kickstarter, and then we did a trade paperback that collected the whole series. Uh, and now this is our, our next one with Uncaped, which is a it's a it's a, I'm shifting formats a little bit. This one is a 48 page square bound one shot so it is a complete story start to finish um i loved doing red white and broke but honestly the issue to issue grind when you're publishing through a format like kickstarter and trying to get people to come back and trying to get new readers and trying to sell them at conventions when you haven't finished telling the story yet logistically it was very complicated um and it was a lot more work you know uh so i decided to switch it up so that moving forward what we're going to do is all of my stories will be one shots you know 48 pages nice square bound thick kind of graphic novel looking um and it'll tell a complete story start to finish now not to say i'm not going to come back and do another uncaped i already have plans for another red white and broke but when i do it'll again be in that one shot format so that you don't have to worry about is this issue three? Is it issue 18? Like, it's just like, yeah, you can buy this. You can read this one. If you've read the other ones, great. And if not, you can still enjoy this for what it is. Um, so, yeah, so that's my, um, so we've shifted to that. And it's, and it's, I think that's going to be really um, exciting. But yeah, the Kickstarters have been great. We've, we funded every one of them. Uh, every one of them has shipped on time. Uh, haven't had a late one yet. Don't plan to start now. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, okay, that's, so, that's incredible. That is a an incredible track record, first of all. Thank you. Um, I think that the shift to doing a graphic novel and that the uh, the work that you have to put into this is multiplied by every issue. Yeah. So I, I really think doing it this way is going to be, I hope it's going to be really good for you. Well, thank you. I, I hope so, too. You know, it's funny, as a, as a writer right there's not that much of a difference between the doing the single issues and the and the one shot other than sort of just having to space it out where it's like yeah i want to do 24 pages so i had to kind of make sure i had the right beats so i could end on a cliffhanger for each issue you know keep them coming mm -hmm. back and all that stuff but you know as this is my comic it's my kind of my publishing company you know i hire everybody else right the artist the letterer the colorist the production guy the printers it's all hired through me so writing the script is kind of the easiest part of the process and then everything else is where it all bogs down it's like i gotta get pages from the artist and give him notes which i i will say is very few because my artist uh whose name is dennis Torona, he lives in the philippines he's amazing uh, i think i've really found something special with him um but you know and then i've got to flow those pages to the colorer and then they go from the, him to the letterer and the and he does the production and he he formats it so i can send it to the printers and then i gotta get proofs and then the printer sends them all to me after I figure out how many to order and how much it's going to cost me with the Kickstarter money. And then I got to ship them all out. And that's just me doing that. You know, it's like the writing is the easy part. It's getting the comics out to people after I've written them. That's where the work really comes in, you know? So it's, um, it's, it's, that's why it's also like, yeah, I got, I got one, you know, one graphic novel. I mean, one thing, novel, one yeah. thing. I send it out and it's done. I don't have to worry about like, oh no, I better get issue two out soon or people are going to forget about it because then my next thing will just be, here's another complete story. Um, so I think logistically it makes a lot more sense. But even for writing, like you said, though, it gives you a little more freedom where you put your story beats so you don't have to make sure it's exactly X number of pages. Yeah, definitely. With with Red, White, and Broke, um, like I said, it was four issues and I, I did want to end each one on a cliffhanger because I knew the arc of the whole story and where I wanted yeah. to go. So of course you try to get people to you know be interested enough to come back. So there were definitely times where it was like, okay, well, I know it needs to happen on page 24, and I know it's going to happen on pages 1 through 10, right? Now, what's happening between 11 and 23 to, to get me there, right? And sometimes yeah. you're like, mm, I'm a page or two short, or, oh, I'm over by a page or two, and i got to condense this. Um, and then you bring your artist in sometimes, and he's like, hey, I drew this this way. And it was like, oh, okay. Or, you know, or, hmm, not quite enough space for all the word balloons that I had written, so now I have to condense these words a little bit. <laughs> You know, adapt so, yeah, exactly i definitely learned a lot about being flexible as a writer but i do have to say it's interesting you know as as a writer everything you write is perfect you know right uh, yeah of course um, you know, <laughs> people have like imposter syndrome right that's never been my problem right my problem, <laughs> but i'm convinced that everything i write is amazing so uh and i and i know it's not but you know I'm, I'm i don't lack for confidence but um 
so you know as a writer you write stuff and you think oh this is amazing this is perfect and then you you get the artwork back and it's finished at that point and you're like okay well i had a you know a soliloquy like this you know this much writing and now i have this much room to you know to fit it in there <laughs> so what can i cut out and still get my point across but what i found interesting was i think it made me a better writer i think the finished script and the finished comic is much better for it you know because you really do learn to strip it down to just what's essential and as long as you can do that without losing the personality and the humor and the 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 key things you want to get across i i, I feel like the finished product is much better than what my original script looked like so um that's a, that's been a really eye-opening process for me and i and i loved it it was great because anything i can do that'll make me better that's what i want right i want people to read the books and, and love them and want to come back for more and you're definitely not the first uh, comic creator in your situation. We've had other creators on who are both creators and writers who've had to deal with artists in other time zones. So I'm just interested, what were some of the, I think first things first, because I know how the the individual I'm thinking of who just finished his series, of, which is the Helix Project, um, oh, yeah. Trevor. Yep, you, I <laughs> yep, same here. We, super we, we backer. Back. Yeah, I'm a super backer. <laughs> You're a super backer. Of course you back. And we've had Trevor on before and, and we've had a long talk with him, but how did you find these artists? You know, I mean and, and how was it working with artists that in some of these cases are in completely different time zones? It's 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 interesting actually. Um so so I'll take those in order. First of all, I actually found my my artist who does the penciling and the inking for the book. So he really is the the complete art minus the coloring. Um, I actually found him through a Facebook group uh, that I believe is called Connecting Comic Book Writers and Artists or something along those lines. Um, and it's just basically writers looking for artists and artists posting their artwork. And, you know, I spent a couple of days going through it because honestly, you get a very wide range of, you know, you know, this person's artwork looks like the second coming of, you know, Jim Lee. Uh, and his per page rate is more than my budget for the entire project. Uh, and then there's this artist whose, you know, work is incredibly affordable, but the artwork isn't what I'm looking for, you know, uh, and everything in between. So trying to find the balance of somebody who who had the the quality and the style that I was looking for, because, you know, when you're doing a humor comic, especially, you have to have a particular style. You know, I can't have something that's very rough and grim, you know, gritty looking and very sketchy looking. That's not really going to fit. Um, so I had to find someone who fit what I was looking for, but also was within my price range because I had to pay you know, some of the artwork up front to have something to show for the Kickstarter. So that's where I found him. Uh, and I reached out, we talked, we, we came to an agreement um, and he's been phenomenal. Um, interesting working with him, you know, is I've never spoken to him in person. I've never even spoken on the phone. Really? Uh, yeah. So we did an entire, you know, 100 page miniseries together. And now we're almost 100% finished with a 48 page graphic novel. And we I don't even know what his voice sounds like. Uh, we have communicated entirely through email and Facebook Messenger. Um, and which sounds weird, I, I guess, from a third party perspective. But honestly, nope. Talk okay. to me. Yeah. All right. Nope. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody on this call is if uh, finds that unusual. <laughs> I mean, well, listening, you know, thinks that's weird. I guess it's it's not. But um, it's become very comfortable and natural. He sends me the roughs. He asks me if I have any changes. I usually don't. Once in a while, I have a little thing, and then he he'll send me the pages as he inks them. He'll send me you know screenshots, and um, you know, and I just say yep, okay, and I get the files, and we move on to the next page. Uh, so it works really well. Actually, it's been great. Have you ever sent him something and he has sent you something back and you're like, that's totally not what I had in mind, but I like it? Uh, yes. Yes, I have. I, here's here's what I always say about that. So, like, 100% I have. Um, and he makes everything better. I, uh, you know, my the first comic I went and broke, it, it, my idea was, uh, as you kind of referenced, Cam, you know, he, he's on this interview show being interviewed a, about being a superhero. And I always say that, like, if... I drew the comic, it would have been 24 pages of just two people's heads talking to each other, like the entire book, you know, which would be <laughs> the most boring comic on the planet. Uh, and then and then I give it to him and it comes back and there's, you know, there's flashbacks and there's perspectives from like outside the TV studio. And there's people on the streets watching it on TV, like through a store window and all of these things. Um, and that's the kind of thing that he really brings to it. And And because I don't, I visualize a lot of the pages in my head when I write them, but I don't. I don't think of them, I think, in the most creative ways, you know, if I'm writing an action scene, I can I can 
you know, picture. like when I wrote the in Red, White and Broke issue three, there is a big like 10 page action scene. Um, and I described what I wanted to happen kind of in each panel and he followed it and it, it looked exactly like how I had it in my head. Um, but there are other times where I'm like, I won't even give him a page description. I'll just write the dialogue because that's really my, my, my strength. I think I'm, I'm a good dialogue writer and I'll write the dialogue and I'll just send it to him and, and he just puts them places and makes it look great. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's awesome. Didn't think of them being in a sports bar, but sure that that's awesome. You know, uh, <laughs> So he'll do stuff like that and it's and it's fantastic so you know very rarely has he drawn something where i've had to be like no that's completely wrong in fact i don't know if i've ever said that to him um usually it's more of a tweak if anything but yeah he, he really takes my ideas and brings them to life in a way that i couldn't yeah i'm so a firm, be well, firm so believer so you kind of hit the jackpot is what you're saying oh i absolutely did and i tell people that all the time i wish he didn't live so far away i would love to get him to come to a convention you know, and do some sketching and stuff like that for people, you know, and sign some books and stuff. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not letting him go anytime soon. I'm going to keep uh, having him do the art <laughs> as long as he wants to, because I think we work really well together. I think he feels that way also. Um, so it's been a good partnership so far. Sorry, Cam, I cut you off. Go ahead. Although that's okay, Kriana, they, they, you had a good, yeah. What I was going to say is just, you know, I've always been a firm believer that, you know, Artists are there to create, you know, and I, I like when I go to cons and I get the artists to do stuff and they'll say, well, what do you want? What do you want to do? And I said, no, I just think I'll give them like a rough idea. Like one time I, I told one of my favorite artists, I want Harley Quinn in a Godzilla costume smashing a city made of cardboard boxes. That's awesome. Then the, I just said, and you do whatever you want. I'm going to get out of your way. I'm not going to the, 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 the pick. I just, although I, that was a little heavy on the, on the detail, but what I got back is so fantastic. It's been my my phone screen, uh, home screen on my phone since he gave it to me. So, but I have to know which artist it was. I, I you know, I'm very curious now. Um, if you're comfortable, uh, Jesse L Jesse Lundberg is his name. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think I've heard the name. I can't say I'm super familiar with him, but that's awesome. Yeah, he he does some really good stuff, and so I always. I always like to whenever I see him at the cons because he likes it when I, I do mashups like that. So I'll come up and every time I see him, I will like, commission him with some sort of mashup. Very cool. I'll have to keep that in mind. If I see him at a convention, then I'll uh, see if I can think of something. Yeah. To do. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I think that the artists do, you know, I mean, that's why they're artists and I'm not, right? Because they have that visual imagination and they can they can take your ideas and, and put them on paper. You know, I mean, I, I can't even draw attractive stick figures. So, you know, I certainly couldn't draw it myself. Um, I'm right there with you, so. Right, right. It's, it's hard, you know. Uh, but I do think I'm, you know, I have, a, I have a good skill with words. You know, I, th I do think that my comics, you know, um, they flow easily, they read easily. I think people enjoy them. I get a lot of compliments from people. Um, you know, the mark of a, a, a good compliment as a comic writer is when somebody you don't know tells you how much they've enjoyed your comic. Like, it's always great when, like, your friends or your family are like, hey, I loved your comic. But it's like, well, of course they're going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you have somebody, uh, you know, when I was first putting out Red, White, and Broke, and I just had the first two issues out, I was at a con, actually Granite Con that we, we talked about earlier. Somebody bought issue one. That's like, well, I'll try it. And the next morning, like the minute the con opened up, she came back to my table and was like, I read it last night and I loved it so much. I had to come back and buy issue two. And I was like, that's that's a con. Like that makes me feel like I'm doing something right, you know, because that's somebody who's giving me their hard earned money. Um, not because they want to be nice and not because they're my friend, but because they they read something that I wrote and they, they liked enough to come back and give me, you know, more money. And that that's the best feeling as a writer for me, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, your mom can only do so much, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My mom loves to, loves to give critique, honestly. She's always like, oh, yeah. well, I'm going to start with the critique first. I'm like, maybe you could just skip that and go straight to the <laughs> Your mom sounds like a hoot. <laughs> yeah, she's a character. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> and as, a, as, as in, in my wonderful segue way, mm -hmm. um, because we were talking about this earlier before we went on the air, we decided to say this. Speaking of great art, this Kickstarter has not one, not two, not three, <laughs> not four, but five very cool covers. And we were going back and forth about what our favorite covers were. Mm -hmm. And I will say I've already backed the Kickstarter and mine is and my vote, which I, I voted with my money, is I want a copy of the Art Nouveau cover that you guys mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. Yep, I love I love that cover. I'm looking up the guy's name, 
You're going to have to give me the, how do you say the last name? <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, first of all, thank you for your pledge. I did see that come through earlier and I, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. I appreciate every pledge that comes through. Um, but uh, so it's, it's a, uh, by an artist named Gary Delorier. Uh, it's the sort of French pronunciation. Um, he's not a, a well-known artist yet, but um, actually it's funny. I um, So one of the conventions I went to last year is Terrificon in Connecticut. And every year, a bunch of my friends from the area, I'm in Albany, New York, and a bunch of my friends go out to Terrificon. And every year I can't go because it's the same week. My family always goes on vacation. Um, so last year we went on a different vacation than our usual one. So I was free for Terrificon weekend. And so I went and and Gary was in this sort of group of people. There's like 15 of them that I don't, you know, I know about half of them. The other half are sort of like their friends and they all room together and stuff. So I, I went out and set up a table and, you know, we got to know a bunch of the guys and the girls that were there. And Gary was one of them. And I saw his, um, you know, he had all of his artwork up, all of his prints and everything. And he had an Art Nouveau styled print of, I, I think, Zaytana. Um, now, I'm a huge, huge Alphonse Mucha fan. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with Mucha. Yeah. Um, yep. huge. He's my favorite fine artist of all time. And for those of you who don't aren't familiar, for anybody listening, um, he's pretty much created the Art Nouveau style. Um, and it's just if you know, go down a rabbit hole on the internet of searching for Alphonse Mucha paintings, it's it's amazing. Um, so as soon as I saw that, I knew and I knew I was working on Uncaped already. And so I said, I said, Gary, I need you to do one of those for me. Um Period. No, no two ways about it. Uh, and so and so he did. And that was the Art Nouveau cover, which which do you guys want me to reveal my favorite or, or not yet? How did you? Want yeah, to sure. Or we, yeah. we can go around the room and then see who's what's everyone's favorite. Well, here, here I have a question about the Art Nouveau cover first, because sure. she almost looks photorealistic. Was there an actual model for that? Not to my knowledge, no. Um, when Gary did the first, he actually sent me three sketches for it uh, and they were pretty loose pencil sketches. So, I mean, he he could have used like a like a life model, but to my knowledge, I don't believe he does. But I, she does have that sort of photorealistic quality. And I think that's just the level of skill he has with his painting. Um, but but I don't, I wasn't, I wasn't there. He didn't mention having a, a real model, so I don't think so. But I mean, unattractive stick figure me, I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, definitely. Um, so all right, so big reveal now. What's <laughs> well, your favorite? Here's the thing, though, right? Uh, you know, like a parent asking them their favorite kid, right? You know, and and the fact that I, I you know, I know all of these cover artists personally, so my cover, my favorite is is all of them. Um, but, but mm. well, look, I don't want to make anybody angry. Uh, <laughs> then say, you don't have to. No, I will say as as I'm, as an Alphonse Mucha fan, I have a special place in my heart for the for the Art Nouveau cover, um, but. I'm also also a big fan of the uh, I like all of them, obviously, but I also the Mary Jane homage cover was my idea because I'm a big Mary Jane fan. Uh, and I thought that Dennis really nailed that one as well. That's by the artist of the book. So that's also got a special place in my heart. And that's all I'll say. <laughs> well, look, here, here's the other thing is that the covers have like a nice diversity in their styles. And mm -hmm. I think each one of them will appeal strongly to different people. Because yeah. I guarantee Zombrarian likes the Rolling Stone one. You know me so well. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one I mentioned before. She has, like, muscles in that one. I like it. Yep. This is why we're married. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's, um, that's what's been interesting. You know, I, I did really want to have a variety of styles of covers, you know. And, and the thing is, I know some people, myself included, get tired of all the variant covers. But... The unfortunate reality is with Kickstarter, because self-publishing a comic book is so expensive, if I just have one cover for one book that costs $15, I got to get a lot of people to pledge on that, right, to, to sell enough to be able to afford printing it and paying for the coloring and the lettering and all that stuff. So the, the, the multiple covers is a reality because a lot of people will buy more than one, and that, that helps us get enough money to fund the project. Um, but that being said, I wanted to make sure that they were good covers and that they were there was a reason to do multiple ones. So the main cover, which is by Dennis, my artist, you know, really just captures the flavor of the book, right? You've got Lady Olympus, you've got Lucas, you've got people taking pictures of him, and, you know, Abby, the the, the roommate, um, you know, who's in a little bit in love with Lady Olympus herself, by the way. Um, she's obsessed with cats, and she really wants to know what Lady Olympus smells like. Um, but, <laughs> so she's a little jealous of, of Lucas. And she has um, purple hair. Yes, she does. Yes. I love it. 
Thank you. Um, yeah, I worked really hard on Abby, actually, to make her a really realistic um, supporting character. You know, um, she's she's a homosexual. She's purple hair. She wears the cat ears all the time. She's obsessed with cats. You know, she is Lucas's like confidant, um, but is also like obsessed with Lady Olympus. And, you know, I really wanted to have her not just be a throwaway, you know, and actually be like a real character. And I, she was one of my favorite characters to write in the book, actually. I had a lot of fun with her. Um, so Sean Brian, have you, have you met Mike before? Because this is like uncanny right now. <laughs> I'm not going to confirm or deny anything at this moment. I mean, <laughs> you know, listen, I mean, if, if there's, you know, if you want to, if you want to say that, that, you know, that you were the inspiration, I'm not going to deny it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you you run with that. I won't say it. I'll keep my mouth shut, you know. Um, but uh, so I'm glad she made it onto one of the covers. That's the main cover that has kind of the cast. Uh, the second cover was the Mary Jane homage, which is the famous, you know, face it, tiger. You just hit the jackpot. That's also by my main artist, Dennis. Um, then we did the Rolling Stone cover because that's just so iconic. Um, and I thought it was a great fit for this character. And, I, you know, she is sexy and I didn't want to. I didn't want to downplay that. I, I, I didn't want to go the route like some of the Kickstarters. They have like the nude covers and all that stuff. That's not my thing. Um, great for them who do it and they make a lot more money than I do. But it's just not. <laughs> you know, I've got I've got teenagers. I don't you know, I, I don't feel comfortable with that. So I, I didn't do that. But I but she's sexy and I didn't want to shy away from it either. Right. So we did the Rolling Stone homage cover, the Janet Jackson, you know, famous cover. Um, and that wouldn't obviously Zombrian, you're a big fan of. Um, and then the Art Nouveau cover, of course, I told you guys how that came around. And then the last one was the, the what I call the goddess cover um, by a really talented artist named Marcus Kwame Robinson. He actually um, did a uh, graphic novel from um, it's one of the major publishers of books like it's in all the Barnes and Nobles and all the bookstores. It was like the history of the Black Panther Party. And now he's working on a follow up to it. It's like a 300 page graphic novel. It was very successful. Um, so so he's a friend of mine. He's a great artist. And so I, I gave him carte blanche to do whatever he wanted with the character. And he was like, I want something more actiony. And I was like, great, because it is a superhero comic and I want some action. So it's got her flying, holding the lightning bolt, which I thought turned out really great. Um, and I've been very pleased to see while the Art Nouveau cover has definitely taken the lead as far as sales go, um, there's been a pretty good mix of all of the rest of them. I and mean, there, there isn't a single cover that has been kind of like the dud, you know, like everybody seems to like something different and is picking a different one or sometimes more than one, which is great. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been happy that it's been that I was worried that maybe like, oh, maybe the Art Nouveau one's going to run away with it and all the rest of them. No one's going to buy. But that hasn't been the case. It's been a nice mix of of all five covers. Well, they're all nice. And like I said, they all appeal to different different people strongly, have a different like emotional connection to each one. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going for. Which, you know, and that, I mean, clearly you succeeded if they're all <laughs> being successful. So far, that's incredible. So that's great. Yeah. I couldn't do that, so I'm impressed. <laughs> Thank you. What have you got, Cam? Oh, well, I... I well, have you got a couple of... Oh, I've got, I've oh, got, okay. we were done talking about the Kickstarter because there is a couple other directions I would like to go before we uh, let Mike leave us before uh, we're done. But before we release him, you, you, yeah, before we release him into the wild, running scared. No, no, not um, at all. <laughs> oh, we'll try harder then. As long as, long as we're done talking about the Kickstarter, I'd like to because i i did my research before coming on the air and i didn't realize how a diverse uh portfolio of things you've done mike how how diverse it is i do uh like to i don't sleep a lot i'll say that um i'm gonna say that too <laughs> yeah you know i've always been a very creative person and that, that whatever outlet i can i can you know take that in i will um i just enjoy doing creative things so um you know whenever i have a chance to do that i do is it, I, I think i know where you're going with this was a specific one you wanted to ask me about i was just going to run the, the gamut here but uh, let's start with because i now have a new po uh, podcast that i'm going to start listening to <laughs> yep which is your podcast and let me just uh, grab the name of that sorry no, I, have, okay. I have like about <laughs> 20 pages open right now that's all right. It's called After the Ending. I'll save you the typing. Thank you. Yep. Yep. So, and uh, go ahead. No, then after you. Okay. Uh, yeah, so After the Ending is a podcast that I host with um, my co-host, Phil Edwards, uh, and he actually lives in England, and I am obviously American, and so we have a nice little, you know, kind of 
British-American mix of flavors there. And it is a, uh, a film-based podcast where we do something kind of unique, where we take movies that don't have sequels, and then we come up with what happens after the ending, right? So, like, you know, where do these, do these movies end? What happens afterwards? That's what I want to know, right? Um, and that came about, actually, when I was watching several years ago, the, the remake of Poltergeist that they made in like 2015 i was watching it it was decent whatever but like throughout the movie this family keeps complaining they have no money and at the end of the movie they are forced to move out of their house uh and it implodes because of ghosts and i'm like what do you what do you put on the insurance form for that because i'm pretty sure insurance doesn't <laughs> cover house imploding because of ghosts so like what's like well, great they survived the ghost but now they're like homeless like what happens to them and that's really where the podcast got its start so every week we take a movie that doesn't have a sequel we kind of come up with our versions each of us comes up with phil does his i do mine we don't share them ahead of time and we have fun just sort of seeing like what would happen uh, you know it started off with uh, trying to take a more realistic approach and then very quickly we just went to like yeah now there's time travel and people are going to different universes and you know whatever else just titanic makes too yeah, we did do a Titanic sequel, actually. Electric Boogaloo? Uh, <gasps> zombie yeah. Titanic. We, the yeah, ship is the zombie. We wanted <gasps> to do, a, I think it was our 50th or our 100th episode or something like that. We wanted to do, like, we wanted to do two movies that uh, you couldn't do sequels for very easily. So we did Titanic uh, and Melancholia, which is a much smaller, lesser known movie. But it's, if you've ever seen it, it's one of the most impossible movies to do a sequel to. Uh, of all time um, without giving any spoilers. So, um, so yeah, we have fun with that, with that conceit. And then we talk about movies and kind of have our, we do like top five lists and talk about like top five Marvel movies or top five, you know, movie scores or top five Harrison Ford performances or things like that. So it's, it's a lot of fun and we do it. Uh, we, we try to do it every two weeks, but eh, you know how that goes sometimes. Oh <laughs> yeah, definitely. Sometimes <laughs> it's a little less often than that, but you know, we had a lot of fun with that one. And then if that wasn't enough, you know, you write <laughs> comics, yep. you, you you do your, reg your regular podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you've written books here, including one that, uh, called Bloodsucker Blues, a, a Vamps in Vegas story. Mm -hmm. Yes, that was really my my writing start. You know, I... Um... I always tell like people sometimes, you know, ask like, how'd you get into writing? And, you know, I've, I've always written in some form or another, right. I've always, I was an English major in college. I've written a lot for jobs I've had, but I never, I was always afraid to kind of get into fiction. Cause I was like, I just don't know if I'm good enough. That's where the, where the imposter syndrome kind of did come in a little bit early on. And um, I read a popular YA novel um, several years back, not twilight. I'm going to go ahead and say it, not twilight. <laughs> and it's not that I'm not going to say which one it is. Okay, um, I'm gonna see if I can guess though okay. behind right. the scenes because okay. it's my job to know. Okay, okay that's fair. Uh, but I read I read this YA novel that had this great concept, and it was the m worst written book I've ever read in my life. I, I was just it made me angry to read it. <laughs> Sorry. And, okay, that narrows it down. It and, does. I've got and, some and, ideas and, already. You know, this book has sold millions of copies, and I know I can write something that's at least as good as this. Um, and maybe that's egotistical or deluded. I don't know. But that's what got me started. So I wrote my first prose novel, this Bloodsucker Blues, which is, of course, a, a vampire comedy. You'll notice the thread here is the comedy part of things. Right. I, I just I, I can't not write with humor. Um, and that actually hit number one on, on Amazon for about a day uh, in the like, you know, in, in one of their categories. It wasn't like I was like, you know, the number one on Amazon, but it was like one particular book category. You know, we got up there for like a day. Um, and then, then I finally moved into the writing comics. So yeah, so, so that's where that all came about. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, cause seriously, you know, you didn't have enough on your plate at that point. Uh, uh -huh. You decided to branch out into uh, voice acting. I see here. Yeah. So uh, I actually do, uh, I do voice acting on as a side gig. Uh, and it's, um, it's less glamorous than it sounds. Let me, let me just say real quickly. Because I people hear voice acting and they think um, they think uh, you know like I'm I'm out there doing all the, the 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 cartoons and the video games and stuff like that. That's not really what it is. At least not for me. There are people who do that. I'm just not one of them. My bread and butter is the most boring stuff in the world, and taking that stuff and making it sound interesting. Um, so, for example, I recently completed several modules on uh, stormwater management. Yes, it's glamorous. 
Wow. <laughs> yes, it was teaching people how to become engineers who, like, when when they build, ro- I don't know if you guys know this, because I didn't, when they build roads, they there's a plan for what to do when it rains, where all that water has to go so things don't flood. And there yep. are people whose jobs it is, is to build those things. Well, I was the voice who was teaching them how to do that stuff, right? So very glamorous, I know. Um, but... I'll say this. It's a very fun gig because I am I'm you know, I enjoy using my voice. Um it's it it pays pretty well, not gonna lie. Um and I have done some other fun stuff. I did narrate some I've narrated a half dozen or so audio books, you know, smaller independent books, but I did, you know, a great vampire story and um I did some some like YA books and I've done some producing. I've produced a handful of audio books and things like that and commercials and stuff. So I do some fun stuff too, but honestly, my my sweet spot is that really dry, boring technical stuff. They love to hire me for that because I can read it in a way that is not going to put people to sleep. So so that's the voice acting world. So it's not as glamorous as it sounds, but it, it but I enjoy it and it's a lot of fun. And then you even touched on where I was going to go next. And finally, because you, you know, you really didn't need that extra hour of sleep last right. night. You also moved into, you know, being a audiobook narrator and even produced audiobooks. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was um, that's part of the of the voiceover world. And it's um, the, the the narrating is the is the easier part. The producing is the harder part. Editing hours and hours and hours of, you know, audio is is very time consuming. And it's a little bit it's a little bit tedious. Um, but I did. Yeah. All told, I narrated and produced probably like a dozen audiobooks or so. Probably none that anybody's heard of, unfortunately. Um, but but they were like I mean, they were they were actual books from actual publishers you know just not the big big ones and they were you know like i said they were fiction novels mostly um and they, they were there was a lot of fun there were a lot of fun to do um but I haven't done one in a while but i did i did narrate my own though i narrated bloodsucker blues and that was a lot of fun also because then i got to say everything that i had heard in my head out loud uh, and that was enjoyable <laughs> yeah and you got to pronounce everything correctly the first time. Well, that is, that is definitely one of those things. I didn't have to ask anybody how to pronounce anything. That's one of the things. And I do this this stormwater management thing. There's all these words I've never heard before. I had to keep messaging my person being like, how do I say this word? How do I say that word? How do I pronounce this? Do you want the numbers read out loud? Or do you want them like as digits? Or, you know, so it's, it's uh, yeah, I didn't have to worry about that with my book. <laughs> oh, so yeah, that is, those are questions. Yeah, nice job with the research, Cam. Oh yeah, you you are welcome. You know, I I, I definitely do. I have definitely the uh, research king here. I, I'm Which, impressed. I'm impressed. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I guess the question is, seeing as I'm sure you've just got a couple extra minutes you that you you've been sleeping anyway. Yeah, sure. What is what is also on your your agenda for maybe next to put onto that list? Sure. Um. So, well, right now I'm. I'm you know, I'm trying not to diversify into, into anything anything new beyond the stuff I already do. Uh, I am continuing the podcast. Um, I do the voiceover work when it comes up. Um, and right now my focus really is on on the comics. That's what I'm having a lot of fun with. I love doing it. I love, you know, for me, publishing the comics lets me go out to the comic conventions and, you know, sell the books. Not ju- It's not just the selling them. It's the meeting people and talking to people and, um, you know, and, and interacting with people who have maybe read previous books or they're going to read them for the first time. That's what I really love doing. I'm a, I'm a people person. I like to be out at the shows, at the tables, talking to people. So I'm doing some conventions this year um, and Uncaped, you know, my, my goal right now, my focus is finishing the Kickstarter, making sure it's successful because we still got a little ways to go to hit our goal, uh, getting the books published and out there as soon as I can. Um, because that's always, you know, once you once you get the funds from Kickstarter, then it's like I really want to make sure I don't, you know, I haven't, like I said, I haven't missed a deadline yet, so I want to make sure I hit that, and then I can start taking the books to the conventions. Uh, and then after that, I do have an idea of what I want my next book to be, um, which I might go in a different direction, but we'll have to see where we end up with the current Kickstarter. Because if all of a sudden it explodes at the end, and I make like, you know, a million bucks, not a million dollars, you know, some crazy amount of money, then I might revisit Uncaped a little sooner than I had originally planned. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a creative soul, but I also want to go where, you know, where the sales are as well. <laughs> you know, I do need to eat. So uh, what? you don't have time for eating. Well, Let's be real. <laughs> it's true. I don't do a lot of it. Well, no, that's not true. I do like to eat. I, I, I <laughs> I'm not sleeping to make sure I have time to eat. So, you know, God, God. Yeah, some things can't be sacrificed. 
So, <laughs> and you've created quite the little universe here already just with Red, White, and Broke. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got superheroes that are just tangentially named or tangentially pictured throughout it. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that we're going to see more of that in uh, Uncaped. Is this universe going to be revisited in some of these future projects? Yeah, and, I mean, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, and well, I was just going, if you were going to go off, I wasn't going to stop you. But and I was going to say, and what are you planning to hit next? Because we've already done Broke Superhero. We are doing Superhero in Love. Where would you go next? Well, um, so first of all, they, they, uh, the answer uh, to whether we're going to see them again, you know, definitely. I, mean, I already know, I already have planned out sequels for Red, White, and Broke and for Uncaped. I already know where I want to go with the stories next. And they do actually exist in the same universe. Um, but not in the way, like, I'm not planning some big, like, superhero crossover universe thing. It's more just because I like Easter eggs. You know, like, in the in issue four of Red, White, and Broke, uh, Captain Stronghold is talking about this group of superheroes. He got together to do, like, a charity thing. And since I'd already started planning on Caped, Lady Olympus is, is one of those superheroes. And she's pictured in one panel of Red, White, and Broke number four. And that's kind of technically her first cameo appearance. Um, and so that was just kind of like a fun Easter egg. And then like in the, in Uncaped, there's a scene where all the reporters are swarming her and, and Lucas. And one of them says, you know, are things over with you and Captain Stronghold? You know, so that's just been, again, that's more meant to be like a, like a fun Easter egg, not like I'm planning some, you know, world-shaking crisis on infinite Earths type of thing. Um, so my next thing is actually my is what I'm currently planning is not a superhero book for my next thing unless I decide to revisit Red White and Broke or Uncaped first. My next project I have in mind is actually a horror project, um, kind of a I love slasher films uh, and I've been really thinking about like like a slasher film in a comic book for a while. So I have a pretty good idea for one that I want to do. Uh, it's something different, and you know uh, I'm not sure how if I'll appeal to the same audience or not. But I do know also at the comic conventions a lot of times. I get people walking by the stop at the table and they're like, yeah, I'm only into horror. And I'm like, okay, I have nothing for you then. Right. So I'm kind of like, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just can't sell them superheroes if they're not in superheroes and they only like horror. So then I was like, well, maybe I can add a horror thing. I kind of, I, you know, I like to hop around. I'm, I'm, I have ideas in every genre you can imagine. Right. So part of it is like, okay, so do I diversify next? But again, we'll see what the, what the Kickstarter, how it comes down to in the end. And uh, that might determine where I go next. And the stories you're telling certainly would work anyway. I mean, you're telling a romance story. Mm-hmm. You're telling the story of a protagonist who's down on his luck. These are stories that fit anywhere. So, yeah, I mean, you could certainly insert them into anything. I get the feeling you could write from what I've seen so far, just in having read The Red, White, and Broke, and just what I've seen so far with this uncape, you could probably write in any style you wanted to and create an interesting story that may very well have not have been told just yet so i kind of look forward to this horror story you might have to get in touch with us when you're ready to uh to break the news so that we can talk about it yeah yeah i would love that and i appreciate that compliment thank you i i you know i mean i like to think you're right right i like to think i can write in any style and it would be entertaining i don't want to I don't know if I want to proclaim that to the world because I think it's, I don't want to be, uh, you know, perceived as being uh, overly egotistical. But, um, you know, I, I feel I feel comfortable in a lot of different genres. Let's put it that way, because I'm a fan of so many genres and I'm steeped in all of them. Like, you know, I know the horror world really, really, really well. Uh, I know superheroes really, really, really well. I know science fiction really well because I've been immersed in all of these for my whole life. So I feel very comfortable in them. And I think some things, again, superheroes is sort of my 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 sweet spot. It's what's really natural for me. Um, I might get halfway through writing the horror thing and be like, well, this is terrible. Uh, <laughs> I'm going back to superheroes. No, uh, no, no, no. Did you forget everything you write is perfect? <laughs> well, that's true. No, I think I said everything I write is amazing. I don't know okay. if I would be honestly perfect, but yeah, so I probably will love it. Let's be honest. I'll probably get to write it and be like, this is the best <laughs> horror comic ever. So I don't know what that says about me, but probably nothing good. <laughs> so I know a lot of people pay their therapists a lot of money to try to develop anything close yeah. to that kind of confidence. Yeah, so it's true. Maybe I, your I, next project could be life coaching. Maybe maybe that's what I need to do is add another business. Some yeah, he's trying not to go into new things. Right, well, right. I, you know, yeah. just to keep the five minutes of sleep, okay? Right, that's all. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm about seven right now, but I could drop to five and fit in life coaching. So Yeah, there you go. Yeah. 
Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So Uncaped finishes uh, in 20 days, so on the 30th of March. Yes. Yes, March 30th is the final day for the campaign. Right now, we are at about a little over $5,000 on our way to a $7,500 goal. So we're, you know, for only being, you know, 10 days into the campaign, we're in, we're in good shape. I don't want it to sound like, oh no, we're desperate. You know, we're not, you know, every other Kickstarter I've done has funded. I, I think this one will too. Um, but, you know, obviously if people want to check it out and, and pledge on a cover or two, you know, that'll help us get to that goal. And of course, if we go beyond the goal, we start doing stretch goals where you get extra goodies, you know, in your package. Um, so, you know, obviously if anybody is interested in it, you know, it's on Kickstarter, just search for uncaped or search for Mike Spring. Oh, we'll, we'll have a link in the you know, notes. There you go. Or follow the link. So uh, along yeah. with the d- detailed documentation of captain cams, uh, light internet stocking. Oh yes, <laughs> most definitely. It's all going to be there. Yep. That's- yep. <laughs> Everything will be there, so no one will have any problem finding your projects. All right, all right, that sounds good. <laughs> so we wish you the absolute best of luck. I'm excited to see how this turns out. I know you guys are too. And I, uh, <laughs> I don't know how to end the show because we didn't write an outro thing yet. So, um, <laughs> I mean, like, I know what to say in general. I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of people I'm supposed to be thanking, but I don't remember who they are. And yeah, I am just going to leave it like this, Mike. I don't really edit that hard. So um, thank you to all the people who we need to thank. And I'm pretty sure you know who you are. And I forgot to say this last time, but shared pain is lessened. Shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. Good night.